Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Sinister Sissies Podcast, your guide to true crime, horror, and everything man-on-man and macabre. I'm Jared, your master of depravity, and I'm here with a special guest. Uh, JJ from Joy's Our Mosh Pit joins me today. Welcome, JJ. Well, thank you, Jared, for having me to talk about, like, things I love, like punk and metal and all that good stuff. Yes. All the good shit. Because today's episode is very, very exciting. We are talking about Rob Halford of Judas Priest. The man, the legend. The metal god. Like the the definitive leather daddy. The, the, the definitive leather daddy. I'm, Absolutely. Like the leather sub-community would have nothing without Rob Halford. Let's be real. Well, okay, not just this, not just the SNM community, which I'm a huge fan of, but also uh, metal itself metal it, would yeah. not be around uh, if Rob Halford didn't exist. He's like on the Mount Rushmore of metal. Yes, yeah, like him, Ozzy, uh, Bruce Health, Bruce Dickinson from uh, yeah. Iron Maiden, and Keith Buckley from Every Time I Die because I wanted to get it every time I die. <laughs> So, so Rob Halford, as I said, was the lead singer uh, within Judas Priest um, for a large period of time, and he's just come back. Came, came back, yes, better than ever, better than ever. Uh, and Judas Priest sits at the foundational point, really, of of heavy metal becoming a genre. Arguably, Black Sabbath and Zeppelin, I think, are a little bit prior. I made it as well. You can claim like any of those, like yeah. Um, but but Judas Priest definitely is is up there in terms of foundational figures in metal. That and also like a lot of like the pe- things that people associate with metal, like the leather, like the spikes, like the the vocals the as vocals, well. Yeah. yeah. So so Rob Halford's. Vocal range, incredible vocal range, which I think could be compared quite adequately to to Freddie Mercury. Yep. Um, in terms of incredible voices of music, uh, has had an amazing influence on on metal and, and how we conceptualize heavy metal. So let's let's start from the beginning. And and honestly, in terms of researching Rob Halford's life, it actually is quite tricky because he is an incredibly private person. Yeah, there's not much about him at all. So he was born Robert John Arthur Helford on the 25th of August, 1951. His birthday soon. It, oh, it is soon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, happy birthday, Rob happy Helford. Happy birthday, Rob Helford, you legend. That's exciting. How old is he? Uh, late six, 60s. 60s? I think he's late 60s at yeah. this stage. 1951. I don't want to do the math. Yeah, I'm going to guess late 60s. Uh, he would be 69 this week. Hey, hey sexy. Hey, sex number. Um, he was born in Sutton Coldfield, Coldfield in West Midlands, UK, but grew up in the northwest of Birmingham, which for kind of music history is really, really interesting because Birmingham was the um, hometown of, of Black Sabbath. Yeah. Uh, and 
there's a couple of potential, you know, I've been reading a lot of music theory stuff as to why Birmingham was was so foundational. And they had a, an interesting kind of UK blues culture um, and rock culture, and it was a really working class area. And you could even compare, like, the late 70s, like, metal sound in Birmingham to what's happening in, like, the late... 2010s in South in Sheffield in the UK. Yeah, we just just getting like a whole bunch of amazing metal bands from Sheffield, and it's just kind of like I think the UK goes through phases where what town would pop out amazing metal bands, and back in the late 70s, it sounds like a lot of Birmingham. Yeah, and it's uh, and look, I don't know how much of these the um, mythos around Birmingham is is bullshit and like theories and stuff like that, but it's. There is, and the reason that um, we use the term heavy metal is often because people have associated it with that blue-collar, metal-working yeah. Yeah, uh, area, which sounds a little bit too neat. And <laughs> I love it, though. It fits perfectly. It's a good origin story, I'll call it, it that. It sounds better than hard rock. And if you want to check out kind of a really brief overview of the history of metal, uh, I do talk about that briefly in the Gaal episode at the start, and the, the ever-evolving genre that is heavy metal. So as we said, uh, Helford he was influential as lead singer of Judas Priest in, uh, in generating the metal genre and creating some of its aesthetics as well as its musical sound. So he would go to sex shops and buy S&M gear and wear that on stage. He rode a motorcycle. He, uh, he, he definitely altered the aesthetic from that 70s rock vibe to something that was distinctly heavy metal. And it was just like in every band after that would copy what Judas Priest did. Even the ones that were established, like once Judas Priest dropped that leather look, you would see like Van Halen and like Aerosmith also grabbing into that rather look. Helford uh, played in a couple of bands when he was in Birmingham, uh, always doing lead vocals. Uh, and it was actually his sister who introduced him to uh, Judas Priest co-founder Ian Hill because his sister was dating Ian Hill, which is an interesting origin story. So Judas Priest had already existed, I think, for a year or two prior to Helford joining uh, hadn't had much success and their lead vocalist left and then Rob joined the fold. Now Judas Priest as a band has changed its members a lot particularly in the 80s in their heyday as well they they, they seem to be going through drummers yeah <laughs> really quickly uh, but the most consistent members were uh, Ian Hill uh, on bass uh, KK Downing and Glenn Tippin. Uh, yeah, they yeah. were the most consistent ones. One different, sadly, though, not touring with the band anymore because, he, and from memory, he's got like MS or Parkinson's. One oh, of the two. It's really sad. Yeah. But yeah, he, he doesn't tour with the band anymore, but he's apparently still a studio member. Yeah, well, he's he did a lot of things with the band as well. I think he, so he played guitar, he did backing vocals, but I think, as we'll see, um, Judas Priest evolved from a very traditional rock ish band to. Probably a really good precursor to industrial yes. as a genre. Um, so rock and then metal and then industrial. And uh, Tippin, I think, was involved in a lot of synthesizer stuff. Which is some of the best stuff in this later pre uh, health and coming back to pre stuff. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, Judas Priest. Uh, when Helper joined, they started to record their first album. Um, so their first single was Rockerola. Uh, I don't know, JJ, are you aware of Rockerola? I don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting one. It sounds very much like 70s rock. She's a classy, flashy, lassy, so it started off in very traditional uh yeah. 70s rock uh, sense. As uh, I said, it sounds like Clarence Claremont of a Bible. Yeah, and has that kind of bluesy yeah. influence in there, which is which is always kind of interesting. So th- the sound itself didn't quite evolve until uh, their subsequent album. So you had um, Sad Wings of Destiny, Sin After Sin, uh, Stained Glass. These are all the yeah. albums that they did subsequently. Like leading up to the albums. Yeah, so we're <laughs> going to talk about in the moment the like the, like the, the, the two albums. albums that everyone knows. <laughs> the two but you can see going through those early albums that the sound does shift. It moves away from this 70s uh, rock style, gets a bit more fast paced. Um, they obviously were both influenced by Sabbath and Zeppelin and incorporated those elements into it. Um, and Helford's voice just suddenly started to just. So. Saw and progressed. So you'd have the, you'd have these really hard like things, and then Helford would do his <laughs> uh, vocals. The, the best part of any Judas Priest gig is hearing everyone around you try and replicate those vocals, but they can't. No, so they yes. just stop. We failed at trying to do. Yeah, we, we tried, <laughs> and we also failed. No one will ever be able to sing this good as Rob. That's a fact. So, um, there's so many albums uh, and so many songs, and because we want to focus on Rob Halford, the individual, and not just talk about Judas Priest, the band, because you could yeah. spend, you could spend, you know, the three-part series talking about that. Let's yeah. just go through the albums and go through some of the greatest hits. So, um, their largest commercial success came with Killing Machine in 1978, and that brought us the classics uh, like Evening Star. Now I understand at last what it means What it all means Evening Star I can see the lights Evening Star Gotta be so bright I used to tell me by what many people view as maybe being the best Judas Priest album, which is British Steel. The definitive one. Uh, released in 1980. Brought us classics like United, Living After Midnight, and Breaking the Law. Breaking the Law, which I think is the one song that, if you had to show someone Judas Priest, that's the one that everyone knows. Breaking the Law, Breaking the Law Breaking the Law, Breaking the Law Breaking the Law, Breaking the Law Breaking the Law so much for the golden future I can't even stop I've had every promise broken This anger in my heart You don't know 
And something that I will say is that um, I think many people think that, that if they're not really into metal or they don't really know Judas Priest of the Band, they feel like they wouldn't know their songs. But even I, you know, kind of knowing that history, listening back, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, Breaking the Law. <laughs> it was even in The Simpsons, man. Yeah, it's, uh, you do know these songs. And part of the reason that you do know these early songs in particular is because Judas Priest, unlike other metal bands, were very good at uh, tailoring their songs at a certain length so that they could be played on radio. Unlike the other metal bands at the time, where if you look at like Maiden or Black Sabbath, they have like seven, eight minute songs. Where Judas Priest just know like short, fast, loud, that's how they're going to do it. Yeah. Just pack all the bangers into like maybe three or four minutes. And it yeah. works for them. And it, it works perfectly for radio because obviously radio, you want those breaks so you can put ads that you can commercialize. Exa- exactly right. Like I will take a Judas Priest song over a Black Sabbath song just because like having to work out the timing with a nine minute Black Sabbath song is way more difficult than yeah. just chopping on breaking the law for a fifth time. So after British Steel, which was a success, we uh, they then released Screaming for Vengeance, which gave us hits such as Riding on the Wind, You Got Another Thing Coming, and Electric Eye. Another Thing Coming, another one that the listeners might know just from mm. peripheral secondhand. Knowledge. Also Electric Eye. When I listened back to Electric Eye, I was like, oh yeah, I know this. <laughs> Screaming for Vengeance, we had Defenders of Faith, released in 1984, which brought us Free Will Burning and The Sentinel. The Sentinel, another one. Another classic. I need to stop interrupting me. The Sentinel, that's another one. No, no, no. It's it's good that we have have an authentic Judas Priest fan here. The Sentinel is another one that people know. Ooh, so good. Uh, and then the final two albums that Rob Halford was involved in was Turbo in 1986, which, uh, being smack bang in the middle of the 80s, started to incorporate that synth kind of component to it and that synthy aesthetic that we associate with the 80s and was really a good precursor album to industrial music, which would take over in the 90s. So... From Turbo, we got songs like uh, Locked In and, of course, Turbo Lover. <laughs> Turbo Lover, I think, is my favourite pre-song ever. I actually think that might be my favourite as well. It's so, like, so much fun. so joyous so like this is everything i want for my campy 80s metal it's beautiful um the the final uh well 
the final for back in their heyday Judas Priest album that Hellfolk was involved with is uh, Painkiller. Um, the title track, amazing. Yeah, Painkiller. <laughs> um, yeah, and that that was a different style as well, at least from what I remember of that Painkiller. Was, that's like a lot heavier than Kevin. Yeah. It's, like, they kind of, like, dropped the synthy elements and then just, like, cool, uh, let's... Like, I feel like this was, like, around the time where Slayer really blew up. Yeah. So, they just, like, cool, let's try and bring some more of those Slayer influences and then just, like, went super heavy. So, so that was the final Helford um, album, uh, and so we need to kind of talk about, you know, why did he end up leaving the band? Because as far as I can tell, they were still successful going into 1990. Oh, yeah. Like, they were still, like, Painkiller was a big deal for them back in the day. It's... And in, in terms of Helford's reasons for leaving the very, very successful um, band, uh, we can really speculate more than anything else because it's, it's he's... Doesn't talk about his personal life. Doesn't talk about yeah, that sort of stuff. Not a very public band. No, not very public at all. Um, we do know that Helford did have substance abuse issues, which many bands in the eighties did. It's uh, common. Um, but I think with Helford, at least from what can be read through the lines, he got quite aggressive um, when he took substances, um, and that had a huge issue between him and his boyfriend at the time um, in the mid-80s, who we don't know anything yeah. about. I don't think we've mentioned this at this point, but yeah, Rob Halford's gay. If they were listening to the Sinister Sissies podcast, they, 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 know they can assume that he's gay. He is a raging homosexual, <laughs> he is. and that's why I love him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, his partner at the time would get into violent feuds with his partner, and um, really fucking tragically... We know that during a particular violent feud, Helford's partner killed himself in front of him. Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah. This so timelines That's are dark. Timelines are a bit wonky on this one, but apparently it was around the time that they were recording the Turbo album in 1986. Yeah. Uh, following this incident, Helford went into rehab, and as far as I know, is is sober to this day. Yeah, he's still sober. Yeah. So that's had, obviously, a huge impact on his psyche. The other major thing that impacted him was in 1990, Judas Priest was sued in a civil action um, in America as a result of a suicide pact that occurred amongst two Nevada boys. Their names were James Vance and Ray Belknap. Um, One of the boys died in the suicide pact in 1985, and the parents of the victims sued Judas Priest because if you uh, play one of their songs, Better By You, Better Than Me, which is not their most famous song. It's it's an album track. Yeah. um, If you play that, I don't think it's even if you play it backwards, it's like underneath. It's Yeah, it's like from memory, it's just like way underneath in the mix. Apparently, you can hear Helford say, do it. But that could have been anything, and it was up for their interpretation. 
The way uh, help it, he would probably be like, yeah, let's have sex, do it, do it. Do it. So the, the, <laughs> the plaintiffs in the case alleged that that was deliberately put in um, to affect the young listeners uh, and that that had actually triggered the suicide attempt, which I don't know if I even need to say it, but that's a ridiculous fucking notion. That's just like parents grasping at why our kids did it. Let's play metal because let's play metal was the let's play video games of the eighties, and the nineteen eighties had a lot of this weird stuff, this satanic panic stuff, yes. where they were very concerned about metal and things that they didn't understand. Horror Anything movies. dark, yeah. Horror movies was the huge. Big one. Um, Even like certain video games, like early precursor early video, video games, yeah. like there was like Jason and Freddy games, and parents were freaking out about that. Anything that seems kind of violent or disturbing, they there was there was a panic about it, and there was sensationalization about it. Um, Tipper Gore, um, Al Gore's wife, was kind of the front of this sort of stuff about wanting to ban movies and music. Uh, we had the video nasties in the UK, where they just banned like all those awesome horror movies. Yeah, if you ever want a good list of horror films, go look at the video nasties <laughs> list. Rather than drop was like Cannibal Holocaust, yeah. Last House on the Left. Yeah, it's great. great. Start. It's great. I um, and look, you you can call it ridiculous, but they were getting sued for it, and it was going to dramatically affect the industry. And it, at least from the interviews with Halford that I talked about. He he took it really hard. He felt absolutely horrible. Yeah, and and this idea of being accused of of destroying the life of one of these young men um, was he took it really. He's a very sensitive guy. He took it really personally. Yeah, like if you follow Halford on social media, it's just a lot of photos of him like with cats. That's yeah. the kind of dude we're dealing with he's, right now. He's a he's a very yes, he's a huggable daddy. He, at this point, yes. <laughs> and I think they even like re like had to remaster that track and take out the do it aspect of it. I, I at, imagine they would have. Which yeah. at the time would have been super difficult. Um the the lawsuit wasn't successful. Not at all. Um and that's good because Helford was talking about the repercussions of that lawsuit would have mean, meant that uh, before any video clip, you would have had to have done. You would have had to have rated every music video. This is the heyday of MTV. Music video and music clip before you played it, you would have had to have warned that it potentially could have had subliminal messages or something. What? That would have been the only way that they could have kind of ensured. But that's only something that's just started doing recently. Yeah, the trigger warning for music videos. Yeah. Um, which, which subliminal message saying, do it. I feel like you don't really need a, a warning before that. Don't really need that, but like strobe effects. Oh yeah, go for it, man. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Another thing that may have affected Halford, just because the timing lines up, yeah. is in 1991 at a concert he had an accident on his motorcycle, which was yeah. filmed. If you want to look it up on YouTube, um, wasn't horribly injured from it. He kind of broke his nose and stuff like that. But I think he um, that may have been a moment where he was like, "I'm getting a bit too old for this shit." Yeah. <laughs> kind of doing the same shtick. 
Yeah. Every concert. I don't I don't even think he left because he hated doing previous stuff. He, he just needed some time off to recharge the batteries. Well, so it's interesting whether or not he actually wanted to leave Priest is an oh, interesting okay. question. So what I've understood is that he wanted to say, take some time off from the band in order to do some private projects. And we'll, we'll talk about what they involve just, generally. Just don't blink when I too high anus on that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, he, we, again, because they're so private, we, we don't know whether the other band members were pissed, but you can kind of think... Your lead singer, your main draw card for Judas Priest is, yeah. is wanting to delay doing another studio album because he wants to do private projects. I think it's fair enough that they were annoyed by that. Yeah, 100%. Um, but the main people that were annoyed were the studio. Yeah. Uh, the they, label. In the label. Yeah. Sorry, I, I don't really know the difference. Oh, so a label is like who would have signed them to release the music for studios wherever they would have recorded the music. Oh, so probably the labels is yeah, what I'm labels, talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, they, um, they said that he was contractually bound to still stay in Judas Priest and he couldn't do these side projects. You know, I, again, we don't know the specifics of it, but obviously at a certain point he said, fuck it. And he just left. Yeah. He's just like, cool. Uh, I'm an individual. I'm not going to be chained by a record label. Fucking yeet. Yes. As of this bitch. Yeah. Which I hell of respect because the balls to do that and incur like all these lawsuits. Oh. Yeah, and so yeah, they were there was suing back and forth about whether or not. So I think Helford sued the label saying that it was a like a restraint on trade clause. So maybe getting a bit too loyally here, but like <laughs> they he basically said that that contract was way too restrictive and shouldn't yeah. have been enforced. And then I think they countersued and said that no, you're actually breaching this contract. Yeah. Um, I think it settled out of court i might be wrong on that but that is at least my because a lot of like record label contracts are just absolutely insane mm. like just yeah. from what i understand is record contracts like oh like the control like yeah i, I mean to say because i don't even think he was arguing that he, he wanted to take too much time off i think he was just saying i would love to go and record something not under the judas priest yeah. banner and do something quite different which he which he ended up doing. And we'll talk about the post-Judas Priest stuff in a second, but as as was alluded to, uh, Rob Halford's a gay man, and up uh, until this point, and continuing on post-leaving Judas Priest, he hadn't come out of the closet yet. He wasn't publicly out. No. no. Uh, the way that he came out, though, I think was a fucking class act. Yeah. I thought it was quite good. So he came out in a 1998 interview... Um, the interview was in relation, I believe, to his side project. I think it was his second solo album. The Helford? Yeah, I think it was like one of his solo albums. He's talking with MTV, uh, and they were talking about music generally, and then Helford just drops the line, well, speaking as a gay man in metal, <laughs> um, and apparently the producer like dropped what he was holding with this huge... <laughs> fucking deal i can't get a read on whether or not that was an accident or not i don't think so he, he just decided I, he's just like fuck it yeah i i'm i'm Rob Alfred. do I'm, you know what gal gal did the same thing gal was mid-interview and just just dropped it um casually and i think that that's kind of the the best way of doing it exactly you don't need to have a coming out party you don't need to put it on social media no 
not to not to not to throw shade to um what's his name little Nas little Nas X he oh. did a big thing he did a big thing oh god um and you know nothing wrong with that either but I do like that 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 Helford just yes. dropped it real cash to think that most people know that I've that I've been a gay man all of my life and and that it's only been in 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 recent times that. It's an issue that I feel comfortable to address. Um, an issue that has been with me ever since recognizing my own sexuality. Um, something that I've been comfortable with forever. He was worried. Because um, he should be. Yeah, I mean, because this is, this is 98. Things are getting better, but it's still... And, and particularly in the metal scene, not many people are out. Oh, no. Like, I... Like... I think Harbour was the first one. And one thing I need to mention as well, because it doesn't get brought up a lot, about Harbour coming out, is that this was right after the George Michael opening of Yeah. There, so I'm thinking that maybe that had a factor where he just saw what happened to George Michael and Oprah. But... Maybe he need. Yeah, he's just going to shoot it and just do it. He's just like, I'm going to shoot my shot. I'm yeah. What I feel like I need to do. It, um... He... It was obviously something that he was... So one of the reasons why it maybe wasn't so impromptu is that he has talked about just the fucking fear that he had about coming out. Yeah. Because, so the metal genre is very radical and rebellious and norm-changing, but I think I think Helford obviously had this view that like maybe it wasn't going to be very accepting of, of someone yeah. who was gay. Because even nowadays, there's not a lot of, like, openly gay... I think I can name more trans women. Like, more, like... In metal. To F metal front women that I can mention gay men. Yeah. Which is insane. It is. And so he, he was really, really terrified. Although, at least by his account, the overwhelming response was positive. Yeah. I think... I think... I kind of think people... Like, low key, I kind of think people are just like, they understood that, yeah, he's probably gay. Yeah, <laughs> but no, but I think, well, it is one of those classic things, though, where it's like George Michael, where you uh, where you look back and you'd be like, how did people not know? It's like, Liber- it's like uh, Liberace. Yeah. Like, Liberace's gay, who knew? And we can say that. You don't need we to be can... squeamish about yeah. it. <laughs> I, um,. Yeah, and I think it maybe recontextualized a lot of the early stuff, but yeah, I think metal fans get a bit of a bad rap for being these overly macho, uh, douchey type guys, which, you know, I've been to metal gigs. Those exist. But I think metal as a genre also is kind of an outsider genre, and because it's a bit of an outsider genre, it's a it's more accepting of difference than 100%. you would otherwise think it's understandable that he was um skeptical but but it does seem like everyone was really overwhelmingly supportive and it was, it's so great to listen to like interviews that are done in front of audiences now and people people fucking love rob helford yes like metal fans are like amazed by him he he the, the term metal god that gets thrown around, he is a fucking metal god to them. Like, hottest take of the show so far. I've seen Ozzy Osbourne. I've seen Rob Helford live. I will take Rob Helford live any motherfucking day of the week yeah. over Ozzy Osbourne. Because Rob Helford's got that charisma. He's got the pizzazz. He's still right out on the stage in the motorbike. Yeah. He still has some hilarious stage banter. 
he still talks about the spirit of metal yeah. and stuff like that. Well, Ozzy Osbourne, you're just like, how coked out is he tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just like throwing water onto the crowd and just like, oh, give him a helping man. And I, I was going to mention, like, even when we were talking in the Gull episode, um, because if you were going if you were going to point out a subgenre that was probably homophobic, you would say Norwegian black metal is probably... <laughs> Yeah, considering Faust murdered a gay man, that's kind um, of... Burzum and how fucking Mother Burzum hates everything. Yeah. Um, but, surprisingly, even amongst them, obviously Gorgoroth is, has its own kind of genre, but even yeah. then, Gal was saying he everything was largely supportive. So, what I would say for that, mainly because I know a lot of gay people are a little bit sceptical of the metal genre yeah. sometimes. I don't know. I know, like, maybe three gays into metal. Yeah. Like, I, I th- but I think, but I think this, this, this fear of not being accepted because the theatrics of masculinity shouldn't throw you off. Oh god, no! No, because it's it's an accepting kind of machismo. I mean, it is aggressive. It, it is. is. It's, it's aggressive. It's uh, it has violent undertones to it. It's absolutely, it makes you want to beat things. But at the same time. Because of that, it's also accepting of difference. It's an interesting genre. It really is. So, enough about Rob Halford, the gay man. Let's just talk about Rob Halford, the metal god. Uh, So, he left Judas Priest, and Judas Priest... Uh, got a new lead singer by the name of Tim Ripper Owens. JJ is not a fan. (laughs) Okay, so he's everything that Rob Halford wasn't. He's straight, he's like from the American Midwest, he has like no pizzazz, his vocals are okay, but he's like everything that Halford wasn't. I thought they just picked him because he could do a good Halford impression. Yeah, like he was literally from like a Halford cover band. Yeah. And... The thing that's fucking hilarious is they made a movie about the bloke. They did. They did with, with Marky Mark and Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. It, it, it was a bomb because... What's his name again? Rockstar. Rockstar. Generic ass title. 2002? 2001. 2001. I remember this because it came out right after 9-11. Boom. Lest we forget. Oh, wait, no, that's the <laughs> <laughs> sex, you know. Never forget. Never forget. 11-9. Never forget the rock star. Yeah. Um, it came out right after Glitter, so great month of movies. Oh, great movie month. Um, yeah. yeah, and he he toured with them for a period of time. Okay, outside JJ's uh, dislike of him, I thought he was quite well received, at least from what I could tell. Like, it's one of those things where... Like if you were to say your favorite pre-style was, you're it's not always, gonna say one of those. But I think I think that might have been. Look, if me going through their albums in chronology earlier, I would probably say Turbo is the peak, and even with Helford, they were starting to go down. We'll, we'll have to go back. We're going to revive. Oh, yes, because you're a fan. You're a fan of the reunion. All right, all right. Uh, <laughs> so, Judas Priest had a new lead singer. So, what was Helford doing? Well, he uh, started off by doing a collaboration with John Five, who is a guitarist uh, who I think is now with Rob Zombie, or he was with Rob Zombie. I, I think he's with Rob Zombie. Yeah. Right. 
Uh, and so he did a collaboration called Two, which was produced by Trent Reznor. And it's this amazing, they only released one album. Uh, and it's this amazing album about, it, of the industrial genre. It so, sounds, if you like your Ramstein, yes. you like your early, early Manson, yes. you will like this. It's very, 90s industrial, if you like, and I had never heard of it, and I, I was listening to the album um, earlier today, and it's, it's really, really great. I agree, yeah. Really. Uh, and they have a video clip that I think you should all watch. Uh, I think it's for the track... I think I, it's called I Am A Pig. Or I, I Am A Pig. Pig, which is this huge celebration of kink yeah. that I fucking love, uh, and it's a very sexy film clip, so I highly re- recommend it. And that. again, it's one of their, it adds to the earlier of like, come on, Rob, we all know. Everybody knows I was only straightening my Alfred also formed the band Fight with uh, former Judas Priest drummer Scott Travis, a uh, bassist Jack J.J. Brown and guitarist Brian Tilsell, uh, Russ and Russ Parrish. Uh, I listened to a couple of Fight's I, tracks. I've never listened to Fight, I will be honest. It's not worth it. Okay. It's not groundbreaking. No, there was nothing, as opposed to two, where I was like, oh, what's this, you know, because often private projects after people leave major bands is not, not good. Fight released uh, two albums between 1993 and 1995. He then uh, started a a band with his name, Helford, uh, with Mike Klasiak. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah. Uh, Again... Had a bit of a quick listen. Nothing really rocked my world there. Nothing just like sank. Nothing to sink your teeth into. No. I, have you listened to any Helford? I think I've listened to some of it. And it's just like, it's it's like a lesser Judas Priest, but it's still not bad. Yeah. I don't, I couldn't, I, I think what he should have done, and he did do originally, is yeah. completely change the the genre that he was working in. So Helford's take on industrial is amazing. Yeah. Um, but these other bands, Fight and Helford, he was doing metal in a very Judas Priest way, and it just wasn't the Not same. Judas Priest, yeah. So after he had dabbled a bit in private uh, ventures, he, to, to many fans' joy, uh, Helford returned to Judas Priest... Uh, the timing of his return, I think it was in 2003, and then the... Which, if we know 2003, dire fucking year for metal. Oh, was it? Like, the biggest thing in metal was that Metallica album with the terrible snare. Like, the boom, 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 yeah, boom, yeah, yeah. Like, Metallica album, and Evanescence was, like, the biggest oh, thing in yes. the world. So, we needed Priest to come back. Teenage boy Jared had a lot of feelings, and he felt it when Evanescence sung Coming to Life. I saw Evanescence live with the fucking <laughs> orchestra. It was incredible, but that shit is not metal. That, it's not metal, It yes. is not metal, but no, it's no, no, no. 
Um, uh, and also, like, with Biscuit had, like, a Rolling Stones cover, and that was, like, the biggest metal song of the year. So, yeah, I, I think, yeah, two, 2003, that's, like, peak new metal. Yeah. Yeah. Then you are about Linkin Park. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, yeah. Not, probably not the, the high point of the genre. Uh, the wor- oh, that I made an album with, like, the worst album art ever was 03. Bad year. We needed Priest back. <laughs> Uh, so, Helford returned to Judas Priest. And so that sort of makes me think that, well, again, they don't talk about it. If there was some animosity, they'd obviously worked through it. I believe Helford had gone back and done a couple of, like, special concerts and tours with them. Like, yeah, he, like, I don't think he was, like, bad enemies with them, but I think he's just, like, needs some time off. Yeah. And he came back and... And uh, as much as JJ doesn't like Tim Ripper Owens, he seems to have gracefully stepped back. Yeah. Because uh, he was always a priest man. Yeah. So he stepped back so that Helford could rejoin the band. And he started a new band and called Ice Earth and also not particularly good. Oh, Tim, R- Tim Ripper Owens. I haven't listened to it yet. I'll have to... Oh, it is. Yeah. It's, it's Ice Earth. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to have a listen okay. um, so they really, they've released a number of albums between 2005 and 2013 I haven't listened to any of the new Judas Priest so besides the Stradamas besides yep. the Stradamas their last three albums uh, like the three of their last four albums have been really really fucking good yeah. to the point where I would say like their last two albums which are Redeemer of Souls and Firepower are like two of my favourite Priest albums would you would you recommend some tracks? Uh, from Fire, I'm trying to remember from Firepower, just the Spectre and Lightning to Strike. They like the two that I would just be like, they sum up post re like like reunion priest the best. Like those right, two I'll, I'll play some clips from them. So the first one was uh, Lightning Strikes. He's still touring. He's still around. Saw him at the start of the year. Yeah. Killed it live. Second time I saw him. Late 60s. He's still rocking out. And as we said at the very start of this, metal would not be what it is without Rob Halford. Like, Rob Halford terribly, like, stamped his name onto the metal genre. And I don't think we'll be ever able to erase that. Ever. Hats off to the metal god. Well, we we stand. We stand <laughs> Rob Halford. Thank you for listening to the Sinister Sissies podcast. 
and special thank you to JJ for joining me to discuss the Metal God. Uh, you can follow JJ at our Mosh Pit, which is his show on Joy FM. And as always, you can follow us at Sinister Sissies on Twitter, or you can check out our Patreon. It's at Sinister Sissies, so patreon.com slash Sinister Sissies. Until then, stay sinister. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.